This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Wednesday evening, April 13th. If you are joining us live on YouTube, hello. If you are listening to us traditionally on the podcast feed, also hello. Uh, We've got a quick two-game set to talk about, the Cubs and Pirates finishing up earlier this afternoon. We will talk about those two games, the highs, the lows, the good things, the bad things. And then at the end, we will get you set for a four-game series with Chris Bryant and the Colorado Rockies, Brendan. Yep, yep. Yeah, I got to say, a nice recovery. Your your throat was scratchy there. I was a little worried for you, but that was a great recovery. Doing this live is a little bit different, but uh, well done. I'm proud of you, Corey. The allergy situation <laughs> in Chicago is not good. The, I mean, like, I'm oh, sure no. the weather going from 30 degrees to 70 degrees, raining, yeah. snowing, hot, Yeah, humid. yeah, yeah. Not great for everybody. Yeah, but, normally we would stop that and we would redo it. But good for you. You 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 rebounded. So I'm proud yeah, of you there. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna try not to uh, yeah let that affect things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all in all, uh, somewhat of a, a different feel coming out of this series than we felt after that first weekend against the Brewers, uh, the Cubs' first trip on the road here. Um, so we'll take a look at these uh, two games right quick, just kind of set the table for you guys, and then we'll jump into the specifics on. Tuesday, it was a two to one victory, uh, pretty much solely on the shoulders of Seiya Suzuki and Drew Smiley in the Cubs bullpen. So Seiya hits two home runs in this game. Drew Smiley goes five innings, three hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. And that was pretty much the story. Michael Givens gives up a home run, uh, but it was to Newman with nobody on base. So I don't think you're really going to take much issue with that and otherwise a, a pretty simple game two to one victory then today in the finale so it started uh on the earlier side eleven thirty five in Chicago uh the Cubs falling at six to two it was a clunker of a start for Kyle Hendricks three and two thirds seven hits six earned runs four walks and four strikeouts he also gives up a big home run early in this one to Ben Gamel Wilson Contreras homers for the Cubs offense uh, and the Cubs bullpen behind Kyle Hendricks look good. So we, we have a, a lot of, of good and interesting performances to talk about, but Brendan, in, in general, you felt really good taking two out of three from Milwaukee to start the yeah. season, beating Corbin Burns, beating Brandon Woodruff, um, starting out with a series victory, flying the W everybody's having a great time splitting in Pittsburgh, you know, I think you're, you're probably not as excited about. No, I mean, it's still early on. I'm, I'm reading in the comments right now from Jack R where he said, I'm worried about Kyle for the first time ever. Like I get it right. Like his, his start against Pittsburgh was, was not good, but it was just a week ago where that changeup was looking good. He threw that curveball 17 times. He's getting whiffs on that curveball. And this is kind of what happens earlier on in the year. You get some games that look good. You get some at best that look great against Cy Young candidates. And then other times you go up against Jose Quintana and the bats just look look a little bit weak. Um, this is how baseball works, unfortunately. This is why sometimes I hate baseball. Uh, but overall, the same takeaways I had from that first series against Milwaukee, they're still there. Seiya still looked good. 
Hap put up great at-bats. The bullpen still looked good. Ethan Roberts looked really good. David Robertson closed out that game. So overall, I'm still pretty optimistic and still pretty pleased with what I've seen for the most part. Yeah, I, I'm just glad that the bullpen was able to hold on in that first game uh, because, look, Seiya Suzuki hitting two home runs in the same game, continuing the strong start he's Look had. Look at that smile on your face. Amazing, you right? We're all in love with Seiya yeah. Suzuki. We can we say are, it. I'm in love. I don't care who knows it, right? But yeah. at the same time, watching the offense as a whole struggle against Jose Quintana, like you and I were on watch for that because that was really frustrating after years of being on the other side of, you know, Quintana and a lot of those outings not going very well. We so, knew that would happen though. Like we yes, knew that was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, I think Cody had tweeted something to that effect. Like I'm just fully expecting this offense not to hit Quintana because we all just sort of think it should be so easy after watching him for so long. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was brutal. Like even Nick Madrigal, you look at what he's done, we'll get into it, but even in that game, he still had three hard hit, balls according to baseball savant so yeah they didn't hit them yeah their runs didn't come but sometimes if the approach stays the way it's been looking those results should come even with nico horner he's been blasting the baseball all over the place um not getting base hits with some of those hard hits it's gonna come if you keep doing what you're doing if the approach stays constant if you keep hitting the ball hard over time the numbers just start to normalize a little bit yeah, and so also something, you know, just worth noting real quickly since we're, you know, reviewing the series is uh, we did see the first lefty starter against the Cubs on this early season. So just wanted to note what that lineup looked like on Tuesday. Again, Clint Frazier leading off, Contreras, Wisdom, Schwindel, Seiya, Nick Madrigal, Hermosillo getting the start in center field, Ian Happ, and then Nico Horner. So after a weekend of all righties and seeing Ortega at the top and kind of a fairly consistent lineup. We did get a little bit of a different look there, but I, I do want to start with uh, Seiya Suzuki. We, a lot of what we saw in this series, Brendan, was similar to what you and I talked about on Sunday, uh, similar to what Luke, Cody, and Ryan have talked about daily. So there, there's not necessarily a lot new to add, but we would just be remiss to not start with Seiya Suzuki. He goes two for four, obviously, with the two home runs. Uh, in the first game and then in the finale on Wednesday, one for three with an RBI and a walk. And you just kind of continue to get that full picture of plate discipline, contact, power, uh, the command of the strike zone. Like it's it's all just sort of playing out exactly as you really would have wanted. It's, it's only two teams. It's only five games, of course. Like there's going to be adjustments, but it continues to just be going about as well as it could be. Yeah, that outing rate, that chase rate is still under 5%. That's absolutely absurd. And just watching his at-bats, at least right now, he may end up being like my favorite hitter I've ever seen, honestly, because he's not going to swing at bad pitches. He's going to hit a lot of fly balls. He's going to make a decent amount of contact, presumably. He, he does everything you want a hitter to do to reduce that fan anxiety. Like, you know, if you have a high leverage situation, you want a predictable at bat. You want that Ben Zobrist type at bat. And with Seiya Suzuki, that plate approach resembles ultra disciplined, high contact. Mm -hmm. And unlike most hitters, 
he can hit the ball in the air and far with those two types of uh, abilities to to make a lot of contact and not swing at bad pitches. So it's just it's fun to see. Like he's exceeding my expectations, and I feel as if if this continues, he's going to exceed most fans' expectations, which were already pretty high to begin with. Yeah, and so uh, one tweet that I I did want to pull up here from Megan Montemuro. Um, there we go. Random tidbit. Say Suzuki has now reached safely at least twice and either scored a run or recorded an RBI in each of his first five games with the Cubs. The last player to do this in their first five games as a Cub was Mark Grudzelanek in 2003 and the only Cubs to do it Mark since Grzelanek. 1901. Wow. wow. Now, don't forget, since 1901, that includes two other world championship teams back to back in 1907 and 1908. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, that's an amazing, you know, an amazing stat. Uh, he's already had a couple of these stats make the rounds on social media where you're like, wow, okay. He's really introducing himself to the world. Uh, but we also love a Mark Rizalanik reference on this podcast. He's on this, this is the 2003 Cubs roster that I have on my wall here. He's on there. We love the 2003. Is he Cubs. in the bottom right there? I can, I can recognize that swing. Uh, no, that is no? Ramon Martinez. Where is actually. he then? Where is he? He's, he's not one of the pictured players. He's oh, on the roster. Okay. Well, you said he was the, on there. On the that's top. fine. That's fine. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I mean, that's what we have on Saya. I mean, it, it's, you know, again, it's only five games. Um, and I think we've broken down a lot of the under the hood stuff, uh, that we really like, you know, he continues to walk and strike out at similar rates. You know, he, he's getting on base, he's commanding the zone. He's, he took a walk today on a really close pitch, uh, that I think when they showed it on the broadcast, it was like just under the zone. Like that's how precise his vision is and his understanding of the strike zone is that if he doesn't believe it is for sure a strike, he's not going to swing. So you're going to see some called strikes, but you're also going to see some really good takes from him that lead to walks. Um, it's a, it's a good point though. In the chat we have from Jabman zero seven, two, nine, only four runs scored in this series. And, you know, kind of looking at this generally, when I was relating it to that Brewers series, that's one of the things that kind of jumps out. Four runs in two games against the Pittsburgh Pirates is not super exciting. And I think it's maybe something we're going to see with this offense where they're not racking up a ton of strikeouts like we've maybe become accustomed to. They struck out nine times as a group today. I mean, we've certainly seen games in years past where they strike out 15, 16 times, right, Brendan? Like repeatedly. Um but you're going to see days where today felt like one where they make a lot of contact and it just doesn't, it doesn't fall. It doesn't find holes. It, it doesn't get it done. I think Jonathan VR had three of the 10 hardest hit balls in today's game and he had one hit to show for it. So that may just be how this offense goes. They may make more contact. They, they may take their walks. They may strike out less, but you're going to have series where that doesn't necessarily translate to too much in, in the run production category. Well, we don't know yet too. We don't really know what the signature of this offense will be. We have hints at it right now. We're seeing a heavier contact approach in a, a play discipline approach that does look encouraging. Uh, now, is that going to translate to runs to your point? Maybe you do go on some, some stretches where you're not going to be scoring runs, but we, we don't know that. Like if Ian Happ is going to be, the guy that we saw in September and if say is going to continue to hit this well and you get some normalization from from Nico and from Madrigal 
maybe the offense is better than than what we think and maybe the stretches of not hitting pitchers is a little bit smaller than what we've seen from lengths in years past. I don't know yet. This is still so early and there's still so many unknowns. That's really hard to get an idea of what to expect. And just because you go to Pittsburgh for two games and you don't put up the runs you expect, like it's again, from my perspective, because it's so early and because the quality of the at-bats from my eyes look decent, you know, I'm not, I'm not, interpreting so much from not scoring runs if that makes sense of course you want to see more runs you want to see like patrick wisdom get those base hits you want to see frank schwindel get those big uh, base hits and it's not happening um but you know you still have to look at the other guys as well like like nick magical who is hitting the ball hard not getting the base hits but the process still looks good good to see greg hust in here from the growing cubs podcast uh very good minor league coverage if you're not following him you should be uh but yeah brendan like talk to me before we get into i want to talk about drew smiley and some of the good pitching performances that we saw in this series i mean that nico throw in in the first game uh the jump throw from the outfield i mean I, we 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 spent so much time in this offseason talking about shortstops, not named Nico Horner, right? Not just you and I, but all of Cubs fandom. And it it does sort of feel like Nico, you know, he said the whole time that he was preparing to be the Cubs shortstop. He wanted to be the Cubs shortstop long-term. I don't know if he took any of that personally. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to say that, but he's, he's, doing the things in the field that you're you're seeing a sort of sense of like this guy is determined to answer any of those questions about whether or not he can be the shortstop. I mean he is a shortstop. He's a starting shortstop. Look 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 at what he's done defensively. He's making throws that we rarely saw Javi make. I mean Javi can make those throws, but just the amount of those backhanded high jump throws not many players in the league can can do that. So the arm strength is is I think it's there. I mean, you can only use a few examples to prove that, but it's it's there. And then you're seeing the the maturity. You're seeing the ability to make some of those routine throws with good arm strength as well. So even Jed Horner talked about this in spring training where the arm strength did improve. And at least from a range perspective, we knew a second base, he's able to move laterally very well. That was never uh, a point of concern. And he's an athlete, you know, at least from a sprint speed perspective, he's in the 90th percentile for speed. So this, this guy is an athlete. So if this continues, you know, even if he's league average offensively, which that, that would be awesome, he should be an above average uh, player for this team. If that defense is what it is. And I think right now you do have reason to believe that that defense could be above average, Corey. And I love it. I gotta love seeing Nico play every single day. This is this this is this is my dream. I mean, five games Nico's been in. Yeah, and I mean he had a fine uh, you know series in two games here at the plate, one for three in both games, no walks, no strikeouts. So nothing exciting. But you know if he can be getting a, a hit or two per game, playing defense like that, running the bases like he can, that's going to be a, a pretty solid player. You know he may not reach. Yeah the overall production of someone like Correa, like we talked about, or Javi in his MVP level year, right? But he can still be a very solid and consistent producer for this team. Um, let's stick with the good. I want to talk about Drew Smiley because he was a guy who, you know, he signed later in the offseason after the lockout and kind of 
maybe uh, as we were going through that process, you know, we weren't expecting him to be in this rotation as things turned out, Alzali out, Miley, you know, delayed start, he's out. So he gets in there and gets in that first turn in the rotation. And he had a, a really nice start on Tuesday. Again, five innings, three hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. But the key for me in this one was 11 ground balls for Drew Smiley in those five innings. And we knew, especially with Hendricks, Stroman, and Miley, that ground balls and converting ground balls on defense were going to be key to this team's success. So to see him go out there, sure, it's the Pirates offense, but they're going to play him a lot. You got to, and they didn't beat him today. So anytime you're able to perform like that, it's, it's worth noting. And when you see a strategy be kind of executed so precisely, right? Like it, it definitely stands out. So what did you see from Smiley and, you know, any, any expectations for him going forward? Yeah. Smiley threw a ton of curveballs. So if you look at the frequency of all of his pitch types, he threw 68 pitches, 35 of those 68 were curveballs, and then only 17 were four seam fastballs. So he just dominated batters principally by throwing an off-speed pitch. His his curveball is weird. So if you look at this pitch, and Joey, if you throw up his spin rate graph, uh, perfect. So if you look at this curveball spin rate, and if you're listening to this just on the podcast feed, you can go to YouTube and you can watch Corey and I, you can see these figures actually that I'm talking about. Uh, so if we look at this Drew Smiley spin rate graph, you can see this mountain in blue. That's Drew Smiley's curveball thrown in 2022. You see this gray mountain. That's the rest of the curveballs thrown by any other pitcher. The majority of Smiley's curveballs are well below league average for spin rate. The ball is just not spinning that much. And now if we look at his movement, so Joey, you can throw up the other graph here. Uh, if we look at his movement, especially the horizontal break, it's in like the lower 10th percentile of horizontal break. So from a spin rate number, from a horizontal break number, the curveball rates poor, but he throws it most of the time. So it's kind of like a weird thing to reconcile. And I, 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 I was asking people in, in the sport, like, why, like, why would you do this? And the answer is, well, you know, any type of off-speed pitch, even if it's not good by numbers, it's better than a fastball. And so to see Smiley throw so many curveballs, uh, that is probably because his fastball doesn't have a lot of confidence. That's not a bad thing, too. And his curveball is unique in that it's kind of like a gyro ball. It's similar to what Andrew Heaney throws with the Dodgers, but Heaney throws it about seven miles per hour faster. Uh, so it it moves and it spins, but doesn't break as much as you might otherwise expect. So that could be another reason why the Cubs are using um, his curveball more than what you would expect from a pitch like that. But it's all to say, like if that continues to be thrown like that, you do have the potential to get weak contact. And for a back of the rotation guy, that's exactly what you want. You want to see, especially to Tommy Hadovy and Daniel Moskos and the entire pitch infrastructure optimize the most out of these guys. And Drew Smiley, at least in that first start, is definitely um, definitely doing that. So it's good to see. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, Will Brendan has uh, probably a lot to say on Kyle Hendricks' uh, start today, which I guess is officially the second turn in the rotation, right? Even though it was only four starts. 
But you have to like what you saw from that first turn, even if you're a little worried after watching Kyle today. 20 and a thirds innings pitched. All of them go at least five innings. Only two earned runs, 14 hits, 16 strikeouts, and seven walks from Hendricks, Steele, Stroman, and Smiley in those first four starts. Obviously, as we've talked a lot about, you're going to need length at some point. You're going to need guys to start pitching into the sixth and seventh and hopefully later in the games. But for one first go, everybody going five, limiting the walks uh, for the most part, getting some strikeouts, nobody allowing uh, you know, more than one earned run over those five innings. Like that's, that's really solid. And really all I think you're asking from this group, right? We're not expecting this group to churn out multiple guys like Jacob deGrom or, you know, like wildly competing with absurd numbers for the Cy Young or anything like that. You just want this group to, to keep the team in the game, right? And five innings, one run, you know, stuff like that, getting a ton yeah. of ground balls, that's going to work for this team. And again, we'll talk about Kyle's second start here in Pittsburgh. Of course, now they're going to Colorado for the weekend. Colorado is off to a good start and it's a terrible place to pitch. Uh, they're going to have to fill in, I think, who's pitching on Saturday. So that doesn't bode well for the rotation. Uh, so I do want to make sure we highlight how good that first turn was uh, just in case this weekend in, in Colorado is dicey. Yeah. All right. Quick Break from our sponsor, Points Bet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. And we'll help you out. Remember that points bet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA, same game parlay for the first time ever. Build a perfect live same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live uh, same game parlays. And now online sign sign up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the Fast Sportsbook is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. And actually, the spread for the Cubs game tomorrow with Steele on the mound is actually Cubs plus one and a half. So I think that's a good bet to take, especially the way Steele looked in that first start with that fastball. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Second read here from our sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. This is the first time I'm reading this, by the way, so some errors might happen, so bear with me. Uh, but if you want to start your day with a competitive edge, Strava CBD Coffee is a game changer and has helped thousands of people to improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh, roasted specialty coffee infused with organic uh, spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you out. You can feel alert and focused without the jitters. You can live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. I think I might need this right now, Corey. Uh, plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you can wake up feeling your best. The best part drop is all about quality. Everything is small batch, fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava also 
uh, concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effect of benefits. CHGO listeners can have can save 25% off their entire purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code chgo 25 at checkout, discount coupon valid only on non-subscription purchases, only one per customer. Already love Strava? Subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. Save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. All right, Corey. Strava. Got to get it. Well, we'll have to get you some. They have it in the office uh, here yeah, in Chicago. In I need a lot. So a lot. headquarters. Yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. So want to stay on the good. Uh, the, the second portion of this episode will be on, you know, the, the bad, the ugly. Uh, concern at this point in the season feels like a bad word, Brendan, because it's only five games. But it will be stuff, I guess, that maybe we're concerned about or soon yeah. we might be concerned about how I mean, we're seeing that? we're seeing tons of Kyle Hendricks comments here Corey like everyone's freaking out about Kyle Hendricks I get yes. it but... Cody's here wondering if Kyle I see you, will Cody. Be okay yeah. we have a few comments hoping that yeah. you can talk people off the ledge as it relates to Kyle Hendricks um, so we'll then, yeah, yeah we'll I'm, we're gonna we're gonna put on uh, Brendan's lab coat and head into the uh into the pitch lab there but for I want to stay on some of the the good stuff that we saw in this series. And I think the first place to go uh, would be the bullpen and, and the work that we saw from the bullpen. Uh, we saw a good outing from Chris Martin. Uh, again, Michael Givens gave up that home run, but he also struck out three in that inning of work. And the home run, uh, I, I said Newman earlier, excuse me, it was uh, Reynolds. And that's that's fine in a, in a one-run game with nobody on base. You or a two run game, you don't want to put a runner on and potentially give up the tying run. Uh, and he's, I, you know, I think their best hitter at this point, so it's fine. Right. And he struck out three guys. So, uh, a good outing from Gibbons, David Robertson, picking up the save again, he continues to look good. I'm pretty, uh, pleased with that pickup so far. He looks good. David Ross seems to trust him and Gibbons. I think the most, uh, so that's, you know, something to continue watching then today, two and a third, uh, from Michael Rucker, a clean inning from Rowan wick, a walk and a strikeout, but no runs and Scott Efros with uh, a clean inning, two strikeouts in an inning of work following Kyle Hendricks. So good stuff from the bullpen all together, especially in a shorter outing on Wednesday, uh, from Kyle Hendricks. That was pretty big from Rucker to be able to pick up two and a third, but one guy I, I want to focus on who pitched in the game on Tuesday is Ethan Roberts. Uh, again, an inning of work, a hit, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. Uh, now his second outing of the year, and he's just an intriguing guy, right? He he was part of that uh, homegrown shutout that the Cubs threw on Saturday against the Brewers following Justin Steele. And I know you were kind of already tweeting about this, his release point, how low he gets to the ground, his delivery. Um, but, uh, you know, I get like, is he a guy? Like, what, what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he is a guy based on his pitch peripherals. Uh, and if we just look, you alluded to it, but if we look at his release points, so Joey, a lot of graphs here. I saw you uh, say you're trying We're to Joey to work. That. I know, I know. Joey. So let's let's throw up that Ethan Roberts. Yeah, this is this is awesome. And so what we're looking at here, 
is a comparison of Ethan Roberts' release point on sliders versus a league average release point, which is actually what David Robertson has with his slider. And these are frame match, depth match, camera matched everything. You can see the degree at which Roberts lets go of the ball close to the ground. It is clearly obvious here. Now, if you want to look at the data side of this with Joey, if you throw that up now, you can see, I mean, this is unbelievable. He has the lowest release point in professional baseball for a slider. And this kind of makes sense. When you're that low to the ground, you're able to have a slider that's more sweeping. So when you match his spin rate with the plane of his release point, that pitch is going to move like a frisbee. It's going to move like a, like a wiffle ball. And that's why his actual horizontal break is, is basically the best in Major League Baseball. So it's it's good to see. Plus, when you match the personality that he has, the attitude that he has, he you know he's really embracing this opportunity. It's fun to see. And he's already getting a higher lever situation with Ross being thrown out there, uh, Ross throwing him out there right before uh, 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 Robertson. I think he could be a guy. You never know with these types of younger pitchers and how the league adjusts and whether they can stay at a sustainable pace. But just from a stuff perspective, clearly unique release point, horizontal break off the charts. If you're just looking at that, like you have to consider him as a guy, as a higher leverage reliever. First of all, I give you credit for comparing Ethan Roberts to David Roberts. Oh, I almost that's, messed it up so many times. That's a bit There's of a, a when you that. first said Roberts, I was going to yeah. say, no, it's you're looking at Robert and I'm like, oh, yeah. no, the other guy's name is Roberts. Yeah. I know. So that's Thank uh, you. I appreciate that. a bit, bit challenging. Um, the, this, he, he feels so early in the season, we're in that spot. We're like, obviously we're focused on how does this team become competitive? What can they do? What margins can they maximize? How can they win games with the group is currently constructed? But at the same time, you do also want to be mindful of a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the offseason, which is this is also a season, whether it goes good or bad, where you're trying to figure out who some of these guys are. And even just in this Pittsburgh series, you know, a lot of those guys, uh, at least some of those guys that I named off, um, you know, are guys that have come up through the Cub system or at least spent time in the Cub system, whether they were drafted here or not. And, you know, again, seeing Rucker today, Wick today, Efros today, Roberts yesterday, and these guys being able to so far contribute to a, a pitching staff in a successful manner, that's a big thing. And of course, you know, we're talking about Ethan Roberts. It's always good when you have a reliever that's able to do something unique, right? We've seen so many guys be successful because they don't they don't go about things like anybody else. They're, they're delivering a pitch from an angle that guys don't see from a release point that guys don't see. And, but to have them be successful, even though it's only two outings so far for Ethan Roberts, this is one of those things that we've been talking about. Like as you go forward here, not that we're looking ahead to 2023, right? It's been five games in 2020. The Cubs are above 500. It's going pretty well, all things considered, but you do, you know, you you can get excited as these things go along if you're able to identify guys who who can fill roles as you go forward here, especially if they're not on big contracts, they're coming from your own system. And as we've talked, you and I, at least especially, so much about the Cubs pitching infrastructure, Tommy Hottity, Craig Breslow. I know you mentioned the new addition, Daniel Moscos, um, you know, who's doing a lot of the pitch shaping, pitch design stuff. It's it's good to start to see those results. 
right? It's easy to, maybe not easy, but it's, it's, you can sign Marcus Stroman to a contract and you expect him to be very good because he's Marcus Stroman, right? What that has to do with the Cubs infrastructure or not is difficult to, to tell. They might tinker with him, change some things, et cetera, but he's Marcus Stroman, right? He's going to be good. What you want to see in terms of a results perspective from this organization is, okay, these are guys that you're developing, you're drafting, or you're trading for and trying to figure out. At some point, you want to start seeing those guys contributing at the highest level. And again, five games, two series, but you're seeing that from some of these guys. The Cubs are getting outs, meaningful outs from guys that they have brought through their system. Yeah, and I at least, I know you share the same sentiment, but for for me, the bullpen was never a point of concern, even though the names don't look that, I guess, promising. I don't even know if that's the right word to, to go about saying this. Prominent. But yeah, I mean, like you see, you know, Givens, he's had some recent success, but even like David Robertson as a closer, a little bit older, hasn't had the success he had from the mid 2010s. But then you throw in like, you know, Ethan Roberts. And I don't think that was a name on many people's radars as a higher leverage guy this quick i know some some of the prospect guys like greg huss who was in there of course you know ethan roberts is but he's translating that stuff already to higher leverage outs that's a big deal and when you consider let's say you know rowan wick is going to adjust a little bit slower maybe some of the other guys are not ready yet because of the slower spring training you can dig into iowa perhaps and make the most out out of these other guys as well who just you know need a shot and you can use the pitching infrastructure to change some of those pitches and maybe they're still working through it. So at least in my mind, like the bullpen was on the back burner of my list of concerns. Um, And there's like a lot of concerns that we all have, but for me, it was always a foregone conclusion that the bullpen would just work out. And will that be the case? Who knows? But I do think just on the past precedents with, with Tommy Hadaby and his bullpen, like there's good reason to believe that it's going to be a good bullpen. Something that we don't have to worry about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of like the other good stuff in this series, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras hit a 453-foot home run today. Yes, he that's, did. That's yeah. always fun. 110.2 miles an hour off the bat. Um, as I mentioned before, Jonathan VR had three of the five hardest hit balls in today's game, three of them over 104 miles an hour. Um, you know, at times I know that the exit velocity stuff can get tiring for some people, especially if it's not translating to results. Uh, but you want to hit the ball hard, right? Like there's a reason that they track this stuff and that it's become part of some of the major league broadcasts and things like that. So it's good to see that he's putting good swings on the ball. He had a hit in the game on Wednesday. Um, you know, so maybe not the best results overall. I think he went one for four, but good to see. Other than that, it was not really the best series for this offense. Um, Ian Happ had a great weekend, um, had two hits, uh, two hits and three at bats in the first game, but, uh, followed that up with an over three with a walk and three strikeouts. Um, you know, so it was, it was a mixed bag for some of these guys in this series. Um, but other than say a Suzuki and I think Wilson Contreras, it, you know, just was kind of a flat, offensive series. Um, so I think that's probably what we have for you in the, in the positives column, but you know, again, you picked up a win clunker of a game on Wednesday, you throw it out, you've got a four game set in Colorado and you, you try to pick things back up and do better. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's basically what it is. It's a two-game set, right? Like, they still look so good against Milwaukee from a lineup perspective. And the starting rotation outside of Kyle's most recent start, like, they, they, they've been looking good. You can see how it's going to work out. So you go to Colorado, put this Pittsburgh loss behind you. It is what it is. Kyle's probably going to be okay. The velocity's fine. We'll get into it. But from, from my point of view, like, everything is going i guess as good as it can realistically at the start to start the season Corey. yeah all right well let's get into it we've got enough people right. asking kyle, about kyle i know Hendricks, so kyle. let's talk about kyle Hendricks, okay. right okay uh this was obviously a very different outing so the 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 first outing he did walk three guys in that outing against milwaukee but he struck yeah. out seven and in this outing it it just didn't feel the same. Obviously, he he gives up you know six runs, so of course it doesn't. But even though he walked three in the Milwaukee outing, you felt like he was in command of that start, right? He had uh, command of what he was doing to those hitters. He was getting really ugly swings on his changeup, a ton of whiffs. We covered that in the episode on Sunday, and that just was not happening. The bite wasn't there on that changeup in this outing. Four walks, four strikeouts, gives up the home run to Gamble, seven hits, only goes three and two-thirds, 78 pitches, uh, 42 of those four strikes. So you can kind of take this any way you want. If you want to talk about the outing today and specifically what didn't work or what happened there today, um, but whenever you get there, however you get there, I mean, let's let's address the, the question that we keep getting. You know, people are a little worried about Hendricks and whether we're going to see more of what we saw in 2021. So it's only two starts. He's notoriously not been his best in April, even when he's had incredible seasons. Um, So when you're looking at these two starts, the body of work that we have so far, however small it may be, what's your takeaway from these two starts and, and how Kyle's 2022 may go? It was a week ago he got 12 whiffs with his changeup, like just a week ago. And his problem last year was the changeup whiff rate was down by about 50%. I mean, that's a huge drop. So right away to start the season off, he gets 12 whiffs with the changeup. And he threw that pitch most of the time. That was his leading pitch of all of his different pitch types against Milwaukee. So for this star, for whatever reason, maybe he didn't have a good feel for it today. Maybe the strategy to Scotty report did not permit throwing changeups to these guys, but his changeup was his third most used pitch. And he led today against Pittsburgh with a sinker and with a four seamer. So he threw 70 total pitches. 30 of those were sinkers. 20 of those were four seams and only 17 were changeups. So it's kind of a weird strategy for him to use. And then he still, this is a trend worth following because we've talked about it now. Um, since last week, and even we've highlighted it over the past few years, he still threw a lot of curveballs. So he threw 11 curveballs today. That's about 14% of his in total uh, repertoire. And that curveball, unfortunately, got got hit twice. And if you look at uh, the type of runs that he gave up, three extra base hits, uh, one home run, especially the, the Gamble home run, that was outside the zone. And you look at that and you're thinking like, how, like, how, how did that happen? I don't know, but it's outside the zone. Typically, if he locates that a little bit better, you're going to get more whiffs. But I just want to keep emphasizing that from the first start, 
he was able to get 12 whiffs with that changeup. He led with that pitch in Pittsburgh. That didn't happen. The velocity was a little bit down as well. He does go through these times where the velocity drops for reasons that are actually understood at this point. And that reason is sometimes he feels stuck on the mound. He's talked about this and there's a correlation between his extension and his velocity. And for him today, he may just not have felt his best and it happens, but he felt his best in that first start where you didn't see that basically at all from him in 2021. So are we worried about it? Should we be concerned about it? It depends. Like you can, you can be concerned, go for it. Like I'm concerned about most uh, things I see on this team. We're always concerned. Always concerned. That's why I need Strava coffee. But, but when we look at like what has looked good so far, you still can't ignore how he looked in that first start. It's not just results oriented. It's the process. It's how those changeups were getting whiffs. It's what the coaches are talking about. It's what Hadebe's talking about, David Ross. And so when you're hearing that the changeup and the command was vintage Hendricks like six days ago, you still have to consider that in your thinking process. So am I concerned? Maybe, but you know, you got to take it, you got to take it all in. And I don't think there's really a huge reason to be concerned at this point, especially when we just came off of a start. We looked exceptional. I think, I I think where, you know, people may be coming from is that, you know, now that's seven walks on the season and two starts where, you know, they're five and a third and three and two thirds, right? So that's a lot of walks in a, in a short amount of time. And coming off of last year, I think you and I talked about this in the offseason, where it's sort of an unfair spot for Hendricks in a way, at least that's how I perceive it, where this rotation is not as deep as rotations he's been in in the past. You know, you look at the year he won, uh, you know, he came in third behind John Lester, uh, who finished second in the Cy Young voting in 2016. You know, excuse me, Hendricks was not like looked at to be that guy. So when you're getting that type of performance, it's obviously a huge lift for the rotation as a whole. He's in the spot now for the 2022 Cubs where people are looking to him to be maybe not the ace. Maybe that's Marcus Stroman, however you like to define that. But I think they're, they're holding him to a higher standard because he's at the top of the rotation. Now he's at the top of the food chain, right? Got the opening day start. It's it's his rotation now in in a lot of ways as as one of the lone remaining guys from from several years ago, so that that doesn't mean that we can expect that or that's the standard we have to hold him to. But I think at least how I'm perceiving things, that's where some of the concern comes from, is that I think for this team to be as successful as we want them to be, or even in our best hope, right? Hendricks has to be really good. And kind of lead this rotation. And it's only two starts. He was really good on opening day against the Brewers. Um, And you and I normally are quite confident in him. And I will continue to be. But I do get where people are coming from. Where they see these walk totals continuing to be on the higher side. And, you know, it's a short, bad outing against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right? Like, I I do get where people might be like, okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm... not sure what to think of this because I think you're you're hoping that he's going to be able to anchor this rotation. I mean, it, it's it's fair, right? You you typically see pitchers as they age, their stuff starts to diminish, their run prevention goes goes down. For Kyle, the stuff hasn't diminished, so 
if I were truly concerned, it would have to be because the stuff is looking weird, but it's not. The peripherals are all within range from years past. The velocity is within range from years past. So for him, it's just a matter of finding that optimized sequencing and trying to own in on that mechanical feel where he doesn't feel stuck, where he feels like he is his normal self. And he did that five days ago, whatever it is now. So for me, it's not it's not the forefront of my brain for being concerned. But I, I yeah, I understand why people would feel that way, especially with the walks that we've seen in the first two stars. But again, it's just like it's only two stars, man. And I'll focus sure. more. I'll focus more on the whiffs in the pitch distribution, and I will on a few walks um, that are kind of close to the zone as well. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. Again, yeah, maybe- I, I think as, as long as the, the stuff and the movement and all of that looks good and healthy and, and the same as we've seen it in years where he's been successful, you, you trust him and this pitching infrastructure to figure out the way to put that together to get these yeah. results long-term as we go forward. Yeah. All right. Last read from our sponsor points bet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us out to, uh, to continue to grow is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO. When you sign up, not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Uh, I do write for uh, CHGO, so a lot of my stuff is going up on there. Ooh, Ryan, yeah. I do. So I don't think I've ever even said that on this podcast. Yeah, so you can see a lot of my writing on CHGO. Um, it's going to be a lot of stats heaviness type stuff. So a lot of the figures I show on this podcast, I go into more detail um, with videos and everything on CHGO. Ryan Herrera, who's the Beats, who's at Wrigley, Talking to the guys, he's on there, Jared Willis, who you guys know, has been on our podcast for years now. He does phenomenal stuff. So you can catch all of that. It's it's definitely, it's, it's worth it. And if you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700, Corey. And Brendan, do you have a, a pick of the week here? I do. I mean, I said it a little bit earlier, but we got Justin Steele for the Cubs tomorrow. The spread is 1.5 plus 1.5. I feel like the Cubs are going to win that game anyway. Uh, Steele's fastball command look good. I think that continues. Hopefully the secondary stuff comes back with him with that slider, but I think it's a good bet just based on the fastball command that he's going to do well. So you're okay betting <laughs> where your heart is. I yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to take advice from uh, from me from betting, that's 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 bad. Don't don't ever do that. Take but it. Yeah. Take when you when you sign up with points bet, use Brendan's statistics to inform your decisions, not what comes from Brendan's heart. Um, no, never trust me ever. If, like if I had a pick one. of the week, so I I did use uh, code CHGO when I signed up for points bet, as as we tell you guys to do, and I, I don't even know if I can say this on here, but it's just gonna happen, right? Ooh! In one of these well four games, I'm gonna bet on Chris Bryant to hit a home run. Don't do that to me. He, don't even he's do that going to me. To. 
I, I, I'm pretty sure he has not hit one. Like, why do you yet? have to bring it up on this podcast? Like, I'm trying it's to keep a podcast. Like we, we thought Jose Quintana was going to yeah, do Yeah, but well we don't talk about it on this podcast, you Corey. You can... Look, our, our lead sponsor is PointsBet. We're trying to make people money here. I'm just saying the narrative writes itself, and then Twitter will explode. Everybody will have a bunch of terrible takes about Chris Bryant and the Cubs, and that we get to relitigate that whole thing again. It's just what's going to happen. Sometimes you're in, a dark, it, you're in a dark spot right sometimes now. Sometimes in mean, baseball, you just know, no, the Cubs can win the game. Yeah, but like I don't want to feel right? bad, man. Yeah, they can win the game, but it's just I don't know. I'm just I saying, if I have a pick of the week, there's four games he hasn't homered as a Rocky yet. It's definitely coming against the Cubs. That's just how this stuff happens. Just like when Eloy hit that home run at Wrigley. I mean, what Sometimes, are we doing here? Like, why do you keep going back to these moments, Corey? <laughs> and anyway, anyway, all right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah, there are obvious can, things. Can... Obvious things happen all the time. I mean, anyway, we can go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, okay. just keep going. Continuing with the good news. Uh, let's talk about two guys that are coming up. I think a lot in the chat and on social media, let's talk about Frank Schwindel and Patrick wisdom and their start to the season. Now they're different players, uh, different players, different starts to the season, different career trajectories, things like that. Um, but the numbers are ugly, Brendan, uh, again, five games, but this is, you know, the, the games we have to talk about. So this is what comes up, uh, Frank, through these uh, first games, 235 average, 316 on base, 235 slugging, which is good for a 67 WRC plus. Remember that 100 is a league average WRC plus, so that is well below average. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, yikes, with these numbers. Like Franks are not good, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, five yeah. games, whatever. Patrick's are, yeah, bad. Uh a 0.59 batting average, 105 on base, same slugging as the batting average, and a negative 56 WRC plus, Brendan. So wildly below average. Um, he's got one hit on the year. So with either of these guys, at least for me, right, Frank, I, I, I look at, maybe a, a little differently just because of how he was able to go about things last year, the way he was able to sort of command the strike zone, make contact on pitches in the zone, um, the the power that he showed, the, the exit velocity that he was able to put on a lot of those balls. Patrick, I, 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 I'm at least, again, it's, it's early to say concerned, but the thing that I would go to, I, I want to read a tweet from friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp at the blog finds on Twitter, a great follow entering Wednesday. So not including Wednesday, but on Wednesday, Patrick wisdom went over four with two strikeouts. So these numbers are worse than they were coming into Wednesday, going back to July 1st of last year, 2021, Patrick wisdom had a 202, 277, 433 slash line, which was good for an 87 WRC plus. So again, hundred is league average. So that's, you know, fairly below league average since July 1st of last year. So the reason that maybe I'm more dialed in on him than Frank is Frank was obviously red hot in the second half for the majority of it last year. Patrick has been struggling for a little bit longer now, right? Like I'm not looking at these five games and freaking out, but it's going along with sort of the league already trying different things with him and the numbers not being great. He also is a player that, you know, he's obviously going to rely. He's got to hit those home runs 
to balance out those strikeouts and the sort of way he goes about things at the plate. So what do you, where are you with these two guys? Are you concerned? Like, what are you thinking here about wisdom and Schwindel? Yeah. Yeah. With, with wisdom, he looks different. Again, I can't really explain visually how it looks, but the, the numbers, at least it's a small sample size, but the short term peripherals do back up some of the changes he was making and the intention behind the changes, which is to make more contact. So if we look at his overall contact rate, this is Patrick Wisdom now, set almost 72%. And last year it was around 60%, which is in the bottom second percentile of the league. So this year it's like it's over 70%. The the improvement in that contact in the short going is just on pitches outside the zone. So 60% contact on pitches outside the zone versus about 40% last year. So that's that's a big that's a big uptick. Whereas the zone contact just marginally up. And again, it's only a few games here. So you don't want to overinterpret this. And the the point at which these numbers do stabilize and they give you some semblance of confidence it depends what your interpretation is but it takes around 50 to 100 plate appearances for that to happen which means if you look at that right now we're still far far below that that threshold where we can meaningful interpretly uh, interpret this type of data so right now we're only around 20 plate appearances so we have we have some some room to work with um for frank he didn't play that much in spring training we know he had some uh, very minor injury problems that slowed up his ramp up process. And so for him, I think it's just a timing thing. Uh, his peripherals look really bad, actually. Uh, he's swinging at a lot of pitches outside the zone. Contact rate is actually worse than Patrick Wisdom's at this point. But I think for him, it's just getting comfortable and getting that timing, getting that rhythm back. And we already had a shorter spring training to begin with. So now when you complement that with just his uh, minor injury during spring, you just may need some time. That's just what it is. It's like I get impatient because I want to see Frank do well right out of the gate, coming off that hot September where he was like one of the best hitters in the league. So it's kind of disappointing that in the first five games, you're not getting that. You're questioning things as a fan. You don't want to do that. But I think with him, you just have to be a little bit more patient with wisdom. I guess you could say the same thing, although you did have a little bit longer spring, but he may be going through an adjustment phase where you just got to be more patient. Again, do you want to see these guys do well right at the start? Absolutely. Does it kind of damper your expectations? Maybe, you know, as a fan, you can take that for what you want. Uh, for me, I want to see a little bit more from both those guys. And I'm, I'm less worried about Frank. I will say that than I am about Patrick wisdom, but at least with wisdom, he's, he's going through those adjustments and he's trying to improve upon the problems he had last year. So that can be interpreted positively as well, Corey. Yeah. So that, that's a good point as it relates to the stat that I read, you know, which was going back to July 1st of last year that, yeah, you know, he was already kind of struggling and the numbers were going down last year, but he did, you know, document, I don't know if he ever went into the specifics of what the changes were, but like you said, he did note that he made mechanical changes to try to fix some of those holes. So yeah. yes, you can look back to July 1st and see those numbers down, but it's only five games here that he's been playing in the regular season, having made those changes. So you do want to give him some of the leash there. I, I, I am curious though, because this, this feels like, you know, one of the symptoms of the way this roster was built where you have so many guys who, 
you know, people want to see got opportunities or who can play different positions and things like that. So it does sort of beg the question of what the leash for some of these guys is. I think Frank, you know, maybe is in a different spot because he was doing well uh, last year and, you know, they can play Alfonso Rivas there, but like generally there's not like a clear person who should be starting at first base besides him. So I think he's got some pretty clear runway there. Patrick, though, I do wonder, like, if we start to see Jonathan VR at third base at a certain point, if he continues to struggle or what that leash is, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not projecting my own concern or anything like that. I'd like to see him get a shot and see if he can repeat the homers he was able to hit last year, et cetera. But when you bring in a guy like VR, um, who has a, a few you know, has, has a more uh, clearly a more proven track record at the MLB level of being able to put together solid and valuable seasons. Um, I do just wonder, you know, if Patrick continues to struggle, if the strikeout right stays near 50% and things like that, do we see him much more selectively, you know, matched up in the lineup? And do we see Jonathan VR getting those starts and, you know, I'm de- that that's just something to watch. I think his leash might be shorter. Yeah, he batted eighth in the lineup, mm-hmm. uh, which we never saw. You know, from Ross towards the second half of last year, so that that might kind of give you some insight into what they're thinking. But I, the 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 length of that leash is something I have no idea about. Right. Like maybe it's going to be within four weeks. Maybe it's going to be a few more months. And I think the competitiveness of this team will also dictate how long Ross waits. Like for example, if they are actually above 500 in May, maybe Ross does opt to use VR at third base more. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Let's go ahead and preview this upcoming series against the Colorado Rockies. So they will be going to Colorado at Coors Field for a four-game set. First game starts tomorrow, 7.40 p.m. Central Start Time. We have uh, Steele on the mound for the Cubs, hoping to go off that successful first start, looking for that secondary stuff to be a little bit more crisp this go-around. On the mound for Colorado will be Freeland. He had a rough start, got roughed up in his uh, uh, opening um, bid for the Rockies there. So he's 0-1. ERAs are kind of fun to read off. Um, it's like almost 13 right now, so that's kind of funny to see. On Friday, we have Stroman on the mound for the Cubs, also looking to go off of a successful first start, maybe a little bit deeper into the ball game. He'll be facing Marquez for Colorado, who had a good first start as well. Both of those guys uh, have no decisions in their first starts. And then uh, that game starts also at 7.40 p.m. Central. Then we have the third game on Saturday, at least according to now. It's tune in tomorrow to hear the complete pitching rotation, but the Cubs have not announced a starter. This is according to the MLB and Cubs.com. But Sensatella is on the mound for the Rockies. He has a, a no decision from his first start, um, only gave up a couple of runs for the Rockies. That game starts at 7.10 p.m. And then to finish off this four-game set on Sunday, we have Smiley back out on the mound uh, facing Gomber. Uh, Smiley did get that win, as we talked about, against Pittsburgh. He's 1-0, no runs given up. Gomber has no decisions. He gave a couple of runs in his first start for the Rockies. This is a day game, starts at 2, uh, 2.10 p.m. Central. And for me, what I'm looking for is just continue to have that solid plate approach. From a player perspective, I want to see 
Nick Madrigal start to get rewarded for some of those hard hits. I want to see Nico continue to play shortstop. I don't want to be reminded of any former Chicago Cubs doing well because that makes me sad. You know what I'm talking about, Corey. And I want to see Frank uh, and, and Patrick start to start to go off a little bit more. Just give us a little bit more confidence to that that we're not questioning their trajectories. Um, so that's really what I'm looking for this year's court. And winning, yeah, of I- course. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime you go to Colorado, I think you're happy with a split, right? I think you'd be pretty pretty fine with a split in the series. Obviously, anything more than that is great, um, especially when you have a you know you're kind of doing a fill in start on Saturday. You know, I think a split is is where you're kind of looking at things. Curious to see Gomber on Sunday, one of the guys that the Rockies just had to acquire from St. Louis for Nolan Arenado. Right. So I'm sure he's going to be really great because that was such a great trade for them to make uh, and give the, the, you know, and pay them a bunch of money to take Nolan Arenado. Uh, it's funny that you um, say that. You know, I'm not going to, you know, blow you out here, but like, you know, privately, you said that you didn't care about that. Just, just saying now on, now on air with all these people are saying, oh, that was a bad deal. Well, just, just I, I'm you know? the look at you. here. So I'm just going to gloss you. right over that. Look at you. Um, yeah, I mean, and and you just like to see a better offensive performance overall. Four runs in two games in Pittsburgh, not great, not going to cut it. And for as fun as it is to watch, say, a Suzuki basically single-handedly uh, win a game uh, like he did on Tuesday, you'd like him to not have to continue to do all of that heavy lifting um, yeah. like that. So um, that he is, might because he's he's just that good, you know. I, I'm for it if he just wants to win every game. I mean, but, he's the yeah. best hitter I've ever seen. So you know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that I I believe is what we have for you. Again, don't forget to support all that we're doing at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team every day. Post game shows, premium written content for all members when you sign up at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the members only discord, the CHGO lounge. So go sign up to read Brendan and Ryan Herrera's writing and more on all CHGO.com. Thank you guys for listening. Brendan and I will be back with you to recap the Rocky series on Sunday evening. You'll get that as the audio only podcast Sunday night, Monday morning and Luke Cody And uh, I believe Ryan, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be in Colorado or not, but Luke and Cody for sure will have the post game uh, and pregame for you tomorrow uh, and Friday. So check that out to get ready for the game. And then they'll be with you for post game to review all that went down. So thank you guys for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. And as always, go Cubs.